In a world with artificial intelligence, how do we transform education? Thanks for tuning in. I'm Daniel Lopez, and this is the AI Education Conversation, where we explore the opportunities, risks, and impacts of AI across education. If you'd like to join the conversation, check out the AIEducationConversation.com. Let's jump in. Hey, everyone. Hope the week is treating you well. I've been excited by some of the new releases of AI tools this past week in Gemini and the Hugging Face GPTs. That being said, we need to talk about one of the big elephants in the room for tech companies. A significant challenge for tech companies aiming to integrate artificial intelligence into education will continue to be navigating those intricate structures of large major urban school districts in particular. Many of these school districts encompass over 100 schools within their districts, and implementation is one of the most critical things that they continue to think about. Speaking from my own experiences here, implementing new initiatives and tools in large urban school districts can feel like adding one more card at the top of an already grandiose house of cards. Can you imagine the type of pressure and considerations you would have to hold in being responsible for the whole house as a school superintendent? In addition to that, beyond the sheer size of large urban school districts, what are some of the other pieces they navigate to get the entire ecosystem moving towards a shared vision on a daily basis? We're going to explore both of those things in this episode. I talk with one of Connecticut's most innovative and beloved superintendents, Dr. Leslie Torres Rodriguez, who leads Hartford Public Schools, one of the state's largest school districts. Dr. Torres Rodriguez gives us a deep perspective on the many nuanced aspects as a superintendent she has to weigh as every decision she makes is incredibly high stakes and can impact stakeholders in her community. She also vulnerably shares aspects of her own AI learning journey. While I walked away with my conversation with Leslie with new insights on how she is grappling with AI, the piece of our conversation that actually stood out to me the most is her approach to navigating AI with a learner mindset. She's not afraid to ask questions, name the pieces she doesn't understand, and lean into curiosity and service of her district. It was such a helpful reminder for me, and really to all of us, as we continue to create a world where AI is implemented across education in a meaningful way. One helpful way of being we can all embrace is to listen, ask good questions, and learn from the perspectives we all bring as we try to find common ground. If you're interested in some of my other takeaways, Check out the companion show notes in the episode description or sign up at the conversation at theaieducationconversation.com. I share all show notes with my community 12 hours before sharing on my social media networks. If you have any other thoughts on today's episode, feel free to also send me a message on LinkedIn. I love hearing from listeners of the show, humans at the heart of education. Enjoy the episode. What's up, everyone? I'm thrilled to announce that I will be presenting at SequoiaCon 2024. If your team, school, or district, or institution for that matter, is ready to take the leap in exploring AI implementation, my session will support with strategies for implementation and navigating change management. The team at Evergreen is also giving any of my followers $50 off the conference registration if you use my code AICOMBO. You can register at the link in the show notes. Early bird registration ends on Thursday, February 1st. I hope to see you all at my session, Humans at the Heart of Education. Dr. Leslie Torres Rodriguez, Superintendent of Hartford Public Schools, welcome to the AI Education Conversation. 
Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, believe me, I'm very excited to have you here. I know that I was kind of hyping you up right before we jumped on here and just, you know, very excited as, as, a, as a resident of Connecticut to be able to finally have an opportunity to talk to the superintendent in, in one of the largest school districts in our state. So thank you so much for your time today. I know you're a very busy person, especially as we are in the thick of the spring semester. And I, you know, we, I always joke with my colleagues, it feels like we're off that winter break. And then it's like that treadmill is like right on 10 when you get back. There's no ramping up. It is, it is, it is sprint right from the first day back. So it is not lost on me what you're giving up right now to be here with us today. So thank you so much. So, well, that being said, let's, I, I mean, I'd love to jump into it first and foremost. You know, I, I recently have been reading in, you know, some of our local papers catching on your, your, your journey on LinkedIn here a little bit. And I noticed that you've been doing quite a bit around artificial intelligence and, and Hartford Public Schools has been as well. But, you know, before we get into that story, I'm really curious, how were you first introduced to artificial intelligence and what did it bring up for you when you had that experience? You know, when I first started, I think it was in the spring, almost about a year ago, I think it was just a self-introduction. I actually, toward the, the tail end of the pandemic, right, there were some conversations, some talks, and I thought, things are going to really change. There's something that's coming. I don't know what it is. And wow, we have to get ready. Clueless. And, you know, fast forward and spring, GPT-3 at that time, I just said, let me just dive in and see what this is about. Played a little bit, put it down. The next time that I interacted was actually, I was facilitating a session at a, a convening for women, women leaders of color. And I facilitated one around the use of, you know, these tools and facilitated with about 20 to 25 women. And like, they were all in awe of the, the tool itself, what they were generating, the differences among the groups with the different props. And immediately I thought, you know, what could be the implication here for us as educators at multiple levels of the organization and across our stakeholder group? And so I've been fascinated haven't, you know, leveraged it as much as I, I probably should. It's probably more of a time constraint. And then, you know, the other parallel to this was the work that was already happening from an instructional perspective, which, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that it mostly has been mostly focused on AI, right? It's part of our STEM education approach, but, but this is a little different now my learning given, given the fellowship that I've, that I've been on. Yeah, it's very interesting. I, I think it's so interesting how your journey in so many ways parallels mine as, as we were just talking about before, where you went from having this initial reaction and observing to, to even facilitating an experience and everyone's having this similar reaction of recognizing that artificial intelligence is more than just a one-off product or use case. There seems to be potential for it to do so much more across large systems and education. So I uh, just found that really interesting. We Now we fast forward to today and you have, you are definitely in a different place than just learning about a tool. I know you were recently selected as one of 25 national fellows for the Google GSV Education Innovation Fellowship. And yeah. as a leader with deep experiences in education and, and now ramping up on your experiences with technology and AI, I'm curious, like in an ideal world, like how would, how are you thinking now about how to use AI tools in, in your district? Yeah. And how time in just a small span of time, you know, I went into the fellowship, right? I was invited to join the fellowship with, and I took, and I'm still taking a, a, a strong learner 
um, inquiry stance. And every time I go to these one day quarterly sessions, I walk out of them, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I thought I had to catch up the last time. It is moving so fast. And I would say, well, first of all, let me, let me preface with that we have to continue to ensure the, the strong, solid, ethical privacy regs and standards, all of that, which quite frankly, I think we are just beginning um, to, to unpack that. But when I think about the ideal world, say we solve for the ethical privacy implications, it's personalizing the experience for all learners and right, obviously the educators, because uh, our, our educators are learners and then our students. And okay, so when we learn, how we learn, how fast we learn, what are our students finding interesting, right? So the essential question is, how might we then implement, you know, gen AI systems to adapt and take into consideration all of that that I just said, the how, the when, at what pace, what additional supports are needed so that, right, our students can, can have a personalized experience and really access the opportunity to have that equal access. I think that's what I'm most excited about what it could, what it could offer, right? That students are, are demonstrating mastery in the conceptual, the analytical, you know, all of these domains and that they're learning at their pace with a variety of needs that we know exist all across the, the continuum. And doing it in a way that our educators feel their own sense of empowerment and efficacy as they show up better and better every day for, for our young people. That's one, one aspect. The other aspect is like, how do we, how can we leverage, how might we leverage these technologies to help us understand the technical challenges that require adaptive solutions? In communities like the one I serve, you know, we, it's a complex system. And I'll take an example, a, a challenge, chronic absenteeism, which has been a challenge before I arrived and still is, and it's, you know, across the country, right? We have a challenge. And so, yeah, there's, there's a technical approach to that. How can we leverage data faster systems and tools to understand, to ensure that we have reliable data, to ensure that we can get at early warning indicators faster? so that we can then apply all the other, the additional lenses to all of this, the, the root cause analysis behind why a young person is not coming to school that might be re related to instruction, that might, need, that might be related to housing inequity, that might be related to so many different things that kind of like are interconnected. So I think there's an opportunity there. I mean, I can go on inclusion. We, we serve 20% of the students that we serve have, you know, learning differences. And we have our multilingual learners. We have 85 languages that are represented in our system. There's language, you know, linguistic inequity and, and accessibility challenges that we have to solve for. So, I mean, so many potential opportunities and making sure that, that we're not leaving our stakeholders behind. Already, so many, right, are left behind. Students, and even, and even some of our families. So how, how do we leverage all of that? And then the backdrop, uh, Daniel, is the educator experience as well, right? So how can we provide that ongoing personalized support 
for our educators. So, you know, without compromising right, the, the humanistic element, I'm not, I am not at all, never will suggest that, you know, these technologies replace the humanistic element that we know is so important in the science, so the science of learning. Ooh. I mean, I hear one hearing you walk through that. I mean, my just my initial reaction is I'm really grateful you're in the position you're in because there's so many layers I know to the the landscape that you have to lead based on even just the use cases across the various stakeholders that you serve, that you all have to get moving in the same direction to happen. I think the two that really stood out to me, which I haven't talked about as much on on previous episodes, but have been popping up more of as a theme in some of the spaces that I hold is I would say first that element you named around like the the predictive analytics piece of what Gen AI can bring, right? Really thinking about data and the indicators that we're analyzing earlier on so that we can get students to have a really meaningful experience. I know you used it in the context of chronic absenteeism. Something you might find interesting and, you know, offline, I can also send you uh, some information here. I recently had the opportunity to listen to a talk from Tim Rennick, who runs the National Institute of Student Success out of Georgia State. And he's really, I think, has since 2016 been using AI chatbots and AI tools to do something similar at, at the context of the transition from students going to college and then obviously trying to keep them to persist there. So I, you know, I, I just kept thinking about the lecture that he had, that I had the opportunity to listen to as you talked about pr predictive mm. analytics there, because he had provided some really interesting one-off examples that I don't think folks would normally th think about when you think about potential at-risk indicators for students at Georgia State. One example he'd mentioned was like, you, we know that for a fact that if a student is taking organic chemistry and calculus in the same semester, they're like 60% more likely to drop out at the end based on a student who's taking those in different semesters. And again, such a small thing, but having that context, knowing that ahead of time, and then thinking about what those levers are in the context of like the high school experience, the K to 12 experience, I can just imagine how that allows us to think so much more differently based on the data that we're using now, which is most of the time we're looking at either individual subgroups or we're looking at subpopulations and it's helpful. But when, when the majority of your district is that subpopulation, then, then what do you do now? That's right. What, what's yeah. the next level? Right. And then the second thing I think you said, which I think is also a use case that really excites me. And I know for most school districts, I think this, this tends to fall in the like aspirational bucket of we want to be doing this more, but we're just not, is the family engagement piece you mentioned, right? Being able to meet the needs of our families where they are, acknowledging also that, especially for our large urban school districts, there tends to be a diversity in culture and language that oftentimes we may not have the staff that can do that. And so it's like, if you are, you know, a personnel in the social emotional learning department, as an example, and there is a community in your, you know, your district that speaks Creole and nobody in that department does, like, what do you do? And so I think we, the, the exciting thing about some of these tools is that they have been able to replicate highly effective outcomes across multiple languages and not just English language. And so I just, I just, I wanted to share that because I kept thinking so much about both of those things as you were talking about the many use cases you just walked through there. No, and how big, right, we can, we can go um, and or how explicit we can be to address a very specific challenge and the learnings, right, that we can leverage from that process um, to continue to iterate and improve and improve our work. Yeah. So, so let's maybe backtrack just a little bit. As of today, I know that Hartford Public Schools is already using artificial intelligence in subcapacity. What does that look like as of today? 
Yeah. And, and again, what I talked about earlier, I think before we, we jumped on was that we are now starting to think about what this could mean from a system level perspective. Already what we were doing was right under the umbrella of our STEM, STEM education, right? So utilizing, for example, our AI 101 course for our teachers to build their capacity um, in one of our schools, our Pathways to Technology Academy, for example, where, you know, there's a lot of coding um, that is happening. Students in our computer science pathways, for example, ex you know, explore, expand their own knowledge base. We have industry partners that are at the ready to continue to inform the articulation of our courses, for example. We have a, one of our comprehensive high schools that is expanding their pathway to be explicit, explicitly focused around AI integration. And so I think it's evolving as, as we move forward, what we are just beginning to think about, and by just beginning to think about is this, a very small group of us at the central office level is, what is the change management process um, that we have to think about before we even you know, begin to, to expand on this work? The other thing that we've, we've done is we have an innovation network, and that is a five schools that we kind of said, hey, look, we are just going to see what you, uh, what each of your school communities wants to innovate on. And initially, I'll share a few anecdotes. You know, I think they all thought, they heard the word innovation, and I think they thought that, you know, these were potentially some shiny new, you know, objects, you know, technologies. And what they have found as they have engaged their school communities is that, you know, innovation is doing something differently. That also counts, right, for innovation. And I think that's the opportunity that while you're asking me about, like, the, the, the what are you currently doing from the lens of AI, this innovation network of five schools is really looking, looking at innovation from a change management perspective, which ultimately regardless of how big or small we, we go with AI, there's a change management backdrop to all of it. Totally agree. And I mean, I, that's something I preach in every single episode. I think anybody who's listened to one knows, knows that's my, my belief. It's like, regardless of how nifty and awesome these tools are, if your, implement, if your implementation sucks, it doesn't matter. It actually doesn't matter, right? There's even, I, I had the opportunity to interview the chief uh, academic officer from a district out in Texas too. And she, she, she so eloquently gave this analogy of the dusty binder, right? At the beginning of the year, every school leader or every, you know, superintendent or whoever is providing some initiatives. And if that implementation isn't done thoughtfully, it could end up just being that dusty binder that lives on your shelf that we talked about twice at the beginning of the year and then manifested to nothing. I will also say that I feel like don't sell yourself short a little bit in what you all are already doing. Because when I hear that there's, there's five different pathways of, you know, student experiences that are happening. I think that's so uh, phenomenal and significant, especially given I'm reading so much data currently that the mindsets around perceptions and, and students, what they have around data is still like not really sure, like having a positive impression of AI, but not really seeing it as something that's going to change their career aspirations at all. But I'm seeing a very different experience from the workforce. So we actually need to start exposing our students to AI tools because the reality is, is whether they think that these tools are going to make an impact on their life or not, the workforce is already saying it will based on their, the, the rapid pace at which they're experimenting and adopting AI use cases in different sectors. So I think what you all are doing 
is you're helping students to to have that exposure opportunity and to learn more, and that, that feels great. I also want to get I want to get at it earlier. I I want to get mm -hmm. at uh, there are where critical thinking, inquiry based practices that can be introduced at a very very early age. And so to your point as to what are we doing now to set our young people up for success later is is what I'm also trying to think about. How does what is the implication for a portrait of a graduate all across across all content areas? Yeah, I I think about it similar that I'm hearing you walk through in this way, which is I'm thinking less about how shiny and how great these tools are in of themselves. And I'm really asking myself if I if I had all of the resources in the world to transform education in its most aspirational state, what could that look like? And then once I have a really good answer there, which it sounds like you do, then it's like, okay, how can these tools help me create that? Right. It's not about bringing the tools into the into the district in of themselves. It's really asking yourself as you're doing there. How can I increase the durable skills in my young students so that they're ready for whatever world they inherit? And then I see a role that these tools can play in actually helping to cultivate that experience for them. Well, I'll invite you back in, you know, when we think about next next year, we have a, a class that we're launching where we're having students from across the district, different schools in our district, and they're going to design their their own school. And they're going to look mm. at, you know, all of the elements, the policy implications, the resource equity implications, the you know, AI implication, and we're going to see what our, what our young people come up with. They're going to have a, it's a credit bearing course. They're going to have internship, an internship element in the summer. And ultimately, you know, they're going to see how we can work with our board of education to implement a school and develop a school that they believe is going to meet their needs today and into the future. So you have an invitation wow. for the teacher to come back and see what they've come up with. Oh, I'm taking you up on that. That sounds phenomenal. What a what a what an exciting project for them as well. I'm sure that they don't always have opportunities to in day to day do something that is so robust and comprehensive like that, and that requires so many different types of thinking to just combine that together to to create a really complex uh, solution there that that will impact their lives. Yeah. So that sounds great. I'm excited for that. And I'm taking you up on that for sure. <laughs> so let, let me transition here for a second. As someone with deep knowledge of you know, just the system and how systems work as a superintendent. What are some of the advantages and disadvantages or barriers that you're noticing in your district or you would offer, you would say in general, that school districts have in bringing artificial intelligence to their districts there? I would say, well, I guess like the pluses or the opportunities, right? When we think, and I alluded to this earlier, the opportunity for personalized learning for our students. We, as I think about our multilingual learner, or, or just all of our students, we, we learn differently at a different pace. And so what can that accessibility look, sound, and feel like for, for our students? And, you know, that's on the plus side. When I think about barriers or the opposite of that, you know, there's an there's a infrastructure, basic infrastructure question that I, I don't know that we have the condition at the moment to facilitate a, a larger, you know, sustainability strategy around, you know, gen AI tools and, and learning. I think that's something that we have to step back and think about from a resource allocation perspective. We know that some of our families still, you know, don't have full, you know, internet accessibility on a consistent basis. And so What's the implication there? 
And, and I'm not going to, you know, ignore the fact that we operate, a, again, in a, in a complex ecosystem where there are a variety of needs. But then when we think about education in general, I mean, we co collectively, you know, we, we, are, we have some fixed mindsets, myself included, right? I mean, you know, we've been operating the same way for quite a long time. And so, okay, I for sure thought that, you know, in the pandemic, like that was it, the window is open, there's going to be a reimagining. And, you know, for, we were in crisis mode and the system recoiled, right, quickly. And so, you know, what, how do we do it differently this time? I think that's another opportunity that, right, we can, how do we plan more thoughtfully? How do we communicate better? How do we train folks better around this? How do we implement the continuous improvement process of it so that right, it can be sustained? I think those are all opportunities. Yeah, it's, it's so funny. We, you and I have not had a conversation with each other before, but when, I'm, when I hear your assessment around like the transformational piece of AI, I feel like you've listened or we've had many conversations before because I've said exactly the same thing, which is that exhibit A, right? The pandemic, as you just described, that that is is about as life altering of an event as as humanity has ever had, you know, during during recent generations. And within two years of that happening, schools pretty much went exactly back to what day to day looked like prior to the pandemic, except that, well, maybe now there's more laptops in schools. Right. Maybe that's one of the big changes. And maybe everyone has a little bit more money in their bank accounts for some of the ESSER funding, which is quickly going away. Right. But beyond that, a lot of the day to day practices were looking felt similar. But to your point, that's that's a problem because we knew that even before the pandemic happened, there was a lot of flaws within the system, which are which are perpetuating educational inequity across students, especially in large urban school districts. And. I think you're the theory of change I kind of heard you get at is very similar to my aspirational hope of what will happen in this process, which is I do believe artificial intelligence has the capacity to transform education. But I think the theory of change that I bring is, is similar to what I heard you said, which is, I don't know that gen AI in of itself is the thing that will transform education, but I think gen AI, because of the potential it brings to schools will hopefully for schools in a way that they've never had to do before to really think about what what the experience needs to look like and hopefully significantly modify the system and the experience. And that in of itself is transforming the system. And I, I, I kind of heard you walk through that calculus and saying exactly that. And it's my, so I would just say like, that's my hope. I really hope we get to that point where these tools pressure test the system, this stubborn system that we have to the point that we finally start to have those types of conversations of like, look, this ain't working. <laughs> we got to go back to the drawing board. Maybe we don't have to blow the whole thing up. Let's, let's not go that far. But are there things that we can do today for the next five years that will foundationally feel different across this educational experience? And, and I'm hoping that we eventually get to that level of conversation. Candidly, I don't know that we're there yet still, even 13, 13 months after chat GPT, but but that's my hope. And it sounds like you you are seeing a trajectory where, that, where something like that could also be possible in Connecticut, in your school district as well, in terms of the types of conversations you all might may need to have deeply. to be able to adopt tools I'm, like that. I'm deeply hopeful. And I think there's also an advocacy component to this that I haven't uh, seen yet, but I see it, especially for when we think about some of the 
the communities that that some of us serve. Um, we have to make sure that that we're not lost in in the creation, and that there are opportunities to not just right go and give feedback, uh, but to truly be under the tent to co-create uh, right this the the new the new vision in education or the the, the reimagined vision right for education. So let let me go back to something you said earlier. You acknowledged earlier as as I think we know, we know is true. There's there's also some inherent risks mm-hmm. or threats with the integration of artificial intelligence in education. With everything that you've learned, what are some of the big risks or threats in AI that concern you? You know, I think there are parallels to some of the the risks that exist. You know, today, I mean, the fact that we we are biased individuals, right? Like, you know, we work at it, we work to to unpack the biases that we hold and think about the challenge that that could pose, inherent biases, right, that might be in the data that either goes in or comes out, whatever the output is. And so I'm trying to work to dismantle, right, these systems that perpetuate the inequities. And so are we creating yet another, you know, system structure process tool that is going to, you know, take us in the opposite direction that I want to, you know, go in. I don't want to continue to or exacerbate stereotypes. That is not, right, the business that I want to engage in. I spoke about earlier accessibility. You know, what does that look like for communities that have been traditionally underserved, like the ones that I that I serve in, whether it's that you, you know, we still have digital divides and, and some of my families, you know, they're, they're worried about solving today for a basic need. Am I going to have food? Am I going to have a place to, right, to live next week or next month? And so, yeah, who's, who's going to ensure that there's accountability when something goes wrong? Who's going to say, Let me press the pause button so that, right, those that have been impacted, you know, can have, you know, advocacy or legal support. I don't know what that could look like, uh, but these are the things that I worry about only because, like, I saw, I saw a lot of that glaringly during the pandemic. And so I think these are all potential, you know, pitfalls that we have to think about. You know, when we think about training and capacity building, okay, who's going to be left behind there? Who, who, is, who is right now, you probably have, I'm, I'm sure you have the answer. Who right now is at the forefront of making decisions as to the larger AI strategy? Somebody's got a strategy, right? A couple of people must have a strategy. So, so who's not at those conversations? And then that's going to inform policy sooner or later. So who's informing that? What are the voices that are missing? So and I, I, can, I can go on and on. And, and so, okay, let's, let's create, let's mine and mind those threats. You know, let's, let's mind and mine the stress, the, those threats thoughtfully. You know, what's the diversity and the inclusion practice and all of that? Who's going to invest in the digital infrastructure that is necessary in our underserved 
communities. Oh, what's going to happen to our policymakers? Who's going to build their capacity? Who's going to get to them first? Anyway, I don't want to sound cynical. Just, just, it's I, 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 just a replay potentially of, right, some of the other challenges that, that we see in our communities. And so that brings a whole nother level of responsibility for someone like me, right, as a leader. Yeah. No, you don't sound cynical at all. I mean, that's the, it's the reality of the work, right? And it is very difficult work. It is not for the faint of heart <laughs> to navigate, you know, some of the challenges that you just described and they're real. And I mean, I, I think to your point, some of these challenges and barriers were true, even again, even before the pandemic, even before AI, but now again, it's just like another thing, another large thing that we have to think about how it ties into all of the other pieces of the educational experience that need to just have synergy between each other in a day-to-day -day for a young person to wake up, to have their basic needs taken care of, to be able to get to school on time, to be able to have a really good experience in school, right? To be able to get home. And then there's, again, there's so many other needs there. And I think, as you said, we, the educational, ex just learning experience is one thing. And I think it's really, I see a lot of potential there, but it's also really critical, especially for when we think about the communities where the majority of students in the United States attend school are large urban centers to think about the other layer of this, which is just basic Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Are they fed? Are they okay? Do they have anxiety? Are they dealing with something at home? Right? Do they, do they have a shower today? Are they, you know, what, what else is going on in their life? And are they in a position where they're going to be able to come to class and really engage with the experience that we've, we've crafted for them. And so, the trends, yeah. okay, the trends are real. It's a difficult I, task. <laughs> I see it in our data. You know, our data looks different. Our welcome center intake data, for example, those data look different than they did four or five years ago. You know, even in the last couple of years, my, my number one, number two reason for families accessing the welcome center is relative to those basic needs, especially housing insecurity. That was not the number one reason. You know, it was like number five, number six. It looks very different. The data are, are shifting in front of us. And so, right, what are all the implications when we think about this added layer potential, right, of AI? Um, so. Well, well let me, let me uh, transition just a little bit here. You, you alluded to something earlier. You said, I also, you said something along the lines of like even having compassion for the policymakers who have to, make some guidance here because again, it's, it's a moving target and, and, and the, the challenge in trying to create some stability across any of these things is you are trying to understand technology that is continually rapidly evolving in a system that is also rapidly evolving and very dynamic, right? So neither of those things are consistent, steady, and stable. They can they, they're evolving. So I've, and, and just in some of my research, what I've also noticed is that a lot of states and, and the federal government as a whole right now has been a little bit, you know, he hesitant to bring like really robust, strong guidance, action models, resources, right? Helping schools, school districts, superintendents to be able to make those uh, decisions. So, you know, for any of those folks that might be listening to this, my question to you is, as a superintendent who's, who's attempting to do this with your district, like what resources or supports would be most helpful to you? As you consider, consider the extent to which you, you're, you would like to bring AI to Hartford Public yeah, Schools. Yeah, and so I, I'm approaching that from, from like how I would request support for any other problem of practice. 
So I think the frameworks and guidance, and, and the last time I counted, are there five or six states that have adopted? Probably six, I think, last, last time, a week or so ago that I checked. Connecticut is not one of them. And so, but uh, however, I, know, my heart. However, I, I do <laughs> think that I'm hopeful and I'm sure, right, they're all going to continue to yes. line up. I know the, you know, the U.S. Department of, Educa of Education released, you know, some guidance. So I think starting there, some framework, and then look, use cases. Who, who is doing this? Even if it's at a, one classroom, five teachers, right? There's, there's opportunity to learn. And so I don't know who's doing this across the country, but lifting those examples so that we can have right their lessons learned and begin to, to iterate the fact, you know, the fellowship, for example, that I'm in is an opportunity for me to learn about, you know, the latest technology, but it's also, we, we, we do case studies about change management, for example, which we've talked about what this is about. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk to each other about what does this look like in a community out in, in LA that is a well-resourced community versus a community like mine that has, you know, our comprehensive high schools have 30% transiency rates for, for families. And so, again, as many opportunities to see who's doing what, whether it is from a current AI implementation or not just other change management processes that have happened. And then I need opportunity to, 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 to have time and space to, to just learn, which we know. And if I'm feeling it, our educators certainly don't have the time and space, right, to engage fully. And so how do we create? How do we create that opportunity? But when AI might be, might be an answer, right? Because AI might allow us to take things off the plate of our, of our educators to so that they can get right better or improve their practice um, and or learn right how ai can can support yeah that resonates and i mean uh, to your last point i'm as soon as we have generative ai that uh, will allow us to actually stop time sign me up for that right but in the short term uh you know the the exciting piece about a lot of the tools that we have right now as you were you were alluding to at the end there is that these tools concretely for most working professionals, I would say in education, based on the fact that I've spent so much time exploring use cases, it, I think conservatively, it could probably save you two to 10 hours a week and for things that you're doing. And that is a form of, you know, stopping time, adding time for yourself and, you know, really just thinking about what folks can do when you now have five extra hours a week that you were normally doing something else, what that opens up for you. Not, not again, not a total answer, but just an opportunity as we're, I think we're describing here. I would, I'd love to transition to asking you a couple of questions here just around the advice. So you, I think you've been, you've been sharing a lot of nuggets throughout the, our conversation, but specifically when we're thinking about folks, your colleagues in the work doing this, this work, superintendents, assistant superintendents, executive directors, what advice would you offer other education leaders who are thinking about team or system implementation in a bigger way? I'm going to double click on taking a learner, you know, inquiry stance versus a not me, not now. I, I don't have time for that, which is a choice, but I encourage not to. Context matters, right? Consider the context that you're in, your policy context, the, the state level implications, the, the readiness, you know, where, where is your board of education? You know, I have a board that is supportive and, and, you know, we have our our, our policy on AI, you know, there's a, a, a council, a city council that's like, hey, superintendent, we know you're, you're doing this. We want to know how we can support. Let's do it in a transparent way. Let's do it in an inclusive way. And then, you know, I would say you have to just try, like, you know, roll up the sleeves every now and then and try 
The other things that I would suggest is, you know, lift, yes, the educator voice, but our young people, right? We, who, I mean, who else but to model for us, the adults, what inquiry could look like, what, what trying something new could look like, and, and what an opportunity that we have in front of us to allow our young people to show us their brilliance and co-create their future with us. Yeah. I mean, mic drop, right? I couldn't agree more. Students uh, totally agree that they, they should be co-creating this experience and, and co-leading this alongside us. They have, I've had so many conversations with students over the last year, and they know so much about AI, a lot more than most of the adults I talk to. So why should they not be doing that? So we just- And they want to yeah. learn so much <laughs> I mean, more about it. I mean, I just visited a school, just mm-hmm. Thursday visited a school, insurance and finance pathway. And, and they had a guest speaker and they were talking about, you know, the amount of emails that comes in the person, the speaker, there's a lot of email that comes in and a student raised their hand. Well, what about AI? Do you leverage AI? And that, you know, went mm. into a completely different, you know, conversation and they're, they are thirsty. They're thirsty to learn more about not just AI, but just their experience. They've told us over and over again, the relevance needs to be stepped up. Our students tell me all the time. Mm-hmm. So, so when you think about an individual listening to this who has not yet started their AI journey and they're, they're worried, they are where you were 13 months ago and you, as you dipped your toe in using some chatbots, what advice would you offer them? Well, if, if anyone you know, wants to have a thought partner, you know, I'm, you know, reach out to me. They can, you know, I'm LinkedIn. They can reach out to me. I, I learn every time someone reaches out to me to, to learn from me, I actually learn a lot from them. So I'm open. I'm a learner. Is that the center of who I am? And then, you know, there's get into a research, you know, stance every now and then and, and look and find out what's out there. Talk to colleagues, talk to other colleagues. Sometimes you don't have to do this in isolation. Hey, have a couple of your, of your colleagues and learn alongside them. I think there's so much opportunity, but if anyone wants to, you know, reach out, I'm here and would be willing to, to, to just talk about my own journey, my own pitfalls as I, as I think about change management. And I hope to learn from them too. Well, I, I so appreciate you for taking, modeling what you preach there. I reached out to you on LinkedIn and you connected with me to be able to do this. So I appreciate that for you know, for the sake of this audience. Dr. Leslie Torres Rodriguez, thanks so much for your time and, and for your perspectives today. Thank you today. so much for having me. Good luck to you. And I hope to, you know, we circle back at some point. 